Welcome into this week's edition of the Colin Coaches Show. And we've got a first here for the Colin Coaches Show. Our first week of baseball is under our belt. And joining me is head baseball coach Adam Shambly. Coach, thanks for joining me. Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate y'all having me. And, Coach, obviously a, a, a pretty good solid weekend for the Wolves. You start off on Friday, you drop that one, but then you bounce back on Saturday. You get a couple of wins there. So you finish the weekend 2-1. and one. Overall, your thoughts on, on the weekend as a totality and how the group played? Uh, yeah, I was – really impressed, you know, with how we played and just, you know, a, a tough loss on Friday, kind of had a chance to win that game and um, obviously didn't, but, you know, bounced back and just played really hard all weekend. Um, you know, offensively, it's not like we just hit doubles and homers or anything like that, but we just found a way to, to win and, and get guys on base and do some small things that we take pride in. Um, so I was really happy to see that. And then, Overall, as a pitching staff, I thought our guys handled their own there, especially for the opening weekend and just nerves with the whole thing and, and that, that whole whole deal. But uh, was obviously really pleased going down there to play two really good teams and coming away with two wins on the weekend. So. Right. We'll start with the game over on Friday. As we mentioned in that one, you lose that one 6-3. to three. Um, you had a had a lead in this one early. You know, you go back and you look at it in the first inning. Dylan Weston gets you a two-out single, and he later scores on an RBI single by Jordan McKenzie. One to nothing lead after the first, and then after the second, you uh, Braden Bankston and Braden Evans get back-to-back -back singles. You have a double steal, and then Bankston scores on a ground out by Riley Easterling, and you're up two to nothing. And you're kind of cruising at that point. You're up two to nothing. Connor Pittman, your starter, has four strikeouts through two innings. Just kinda, how are you feeling after those first two innings? Kind of knowing that you've got a two-zero lead, and not that a two-zero lead is comfortable, but you you're kind of cruising at that point. Everything's feeling really good. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, we were obviously happy to jump out. Early, you know, you never know how first thing, first game jitters are going to go and things like that. And um, but we were obviously super excited to jump out and kind of punch them in the mouth first, so to speak. And you know, you feel really good in a seven inning game, and you got Connor Pittman on the mound. Um, you know, so we felt really good about that. Um, but you know, the game goes on and um, things happen. But right. yes, the, the way it started. Uh, couldn't ask for any better. Right, and as you alluded to, things happening. The, the bottom of the third inning happened, unfortunately, and, and right. there the Pirates get three straight home runs from their, their three leadoff batters. Um, yeah. Balls that, you know, were, were, as you and I were talking before the show started, just absolutely hard hit balls, couple maybe location misses right. that you that you don't want to see Connor Pittman throw there. But uh, you're down 3-2 to two at that point. Your guys are still battling. And then in the bottom of the fourth, the Pirates hit a two-run home run, make it 5-2, to two. Um, and you know you, you you guys are still not out of it at that point. But what's the mindset knowing you you know you've only got basically two at bats left to really try to battle your way back into it? Yeah, that's the that's the tough thing about seven inning games. You know, which and I'm not a huge fan of seven inning baseball games at, at this level. To me, it should you know the purest form of baseball is, is nine innings. Um, but I mean, we do play a lot of seven inning games at this level, so. Uh, you know, definitely. And I told our guys, hey, man, we're still we're still completely in this thing. You never, you know, all weekend, uh, kind of one of the reoccurring things to me offensively is there were multiple times, and I don't remember the exact number, but we get two outs with nobody on and still find a way to score a run or two. So, you know, I, I was telling them, hey, we're never out of it. And understand, yes, they have an explosive offense, but um, – we can't worry about what they're doing and, and get caught up and maybe feeling lesser. Um, that was one thing I was kind of worried about is, you know, they've got a couple of high-profile high guys. Um, but, hey, at the end of the day, we're, we're all human and we can all make mistakes and um, and just play baseball and see what happens. Yeah, and the top of the fifth, you do claw, kind of claw your back, way back into it. Bra uh, Braden Bankston, again, a leadoff single, advances on a – uh, one out single by Riley Easterling, and then later scores on a single by Brantley Berry. It's five to three at that point, and then you also have Tucker Jones who reaches on catcher's interference. And I think really from the the fourth, fifth, throughout the rest of the time, the the high, you know the thing that you look at is is kind of missed opportunities. Right. You had this, you had two runners on with one out, back to back outs. Unfortunately, and that kind of ends that inning when you had a chance to get back in it. And even in the fourth inning, you had Riley Easterling who hit a two out double, and then you had a ground out. Right. And then, in, you know, you also had a, a single by J.D. Weed, got another walk by uh, J Jordan McKenzie, two on, two out, and then you get a strikeout. So it was just kind of the, right. the, I think that was in the sixth inning. Yep. So, you know, you look at it and you go in the fourth, fifth, and sixth inning, we had guys in scoring position right. and 
just couldn't find a way to push yeah. those runs across. Yeah, and that, that was obviously a, a talking point, a learning point after that game. Um, and I think we, we kind of did learn, you know, the next day we do get a couple of those two-out hits, and we talk about two-out hitting, you know, with guys in scoring position. I mean, they're already – there's no decision to think whether I go or not, so that's obviously an advantage. Hey, it's a hit. We're, our runners are – we're sending everybody uh, in scoring position at that point and make them make a play at the plate. Um, but like I said, the next day we were able to make that happen, and those are those are huge for us. So we just were not able to come up with, with those hits in that game, and sometimes that's just how it happens. And you, you look at it, uh, Brentley Berry, Riley Easterling, Braden Bankston all have two hits each. Good, good debuts for them. You look at the pitching, pitching stats. You don't want to say not great, not terrible, kind of just m- media. Not, and I don't even want to say mediocre. Maybe right. that's not the word, but just kind of, you know, not bad for a first start. You know, you, right. you got things you can build on. Connor Pittman pitches three and two thirds innings. I know y'all had him on a pitch count. He went about seventy four pitches, and I think right. they were mostly strikes. But gives up four runs. All of those earned on four hits, four walks, five strikeouts. The big thing for him, he had four strikeouts through two innings uh, and then finished with five. And then you bring in Caleb Flynn, your left-hander freshman from Laurel, and he gives up two runs, one earned. Give up, he, he unfortunately gave up the two-run home run. But uh, talk about how you felt like the pitchers performed in uh, the, their season debuts. Yeah, I mean, in that game, um, you know, the thing is, yes, Pittman gave up. You know, it, it's easy to see the, the home run ball that, that he gave up or home runs he gave up, and people think that he didn't have a great performance. But at the end of the day – he still gave us a chance to win the game. You know, he, he did. Um, like I said, we just didn't come up with those hits. And the good thing about the, the three home runs he gave up were all solo shots, which you feel like, um, hey, solo home runs are not going to beat us, which, you know, I've also heard that before. But if you give up enough of them, they can, mm-hmm. you know, they can uh, hurt you a little bit. But, I mean, I thought Pittman was, was fine. I know, obviously, he would rather not of those have happened. But it's part of baseball. Um, you know, so I thought his his performance was was solid, um, and I think he threw he was seventy percent first pitch strikes. I mean, he was getting in there throwing strikes, even though the walk number ended up being um, a little higher. But I think out of the four, only one of those walks actually ended up scoring. Um, so I thought he was fine. And then Caleb Flynn came in, and uh, you know, Flynn has been a guy that has been super consistent, pounding the strike zone. Um, you know, and just does what he does. Everybody knows he's going to be a Softer throwing lefty, but can can command it, throw the breaking ball in there whenever he wants to. And he kind of came out unlike Flynn a little bit at first, you know, a little not as much command, but then settled in. And the home run ball he gave up, gave up like we were talking before, was kind of a pop-up. I mean, it barely got out. It was kind of one of those – and really strong kid, the shortstop for Pensacola State, strong guy that got to it, and it just – it got out of the park. But overall um, – you know, and I don't know to mention on the play that he made. I don't know if anybody saw that on live stream, but he made an unbelievable play uh, towards the third baseline. Ball kind of chopped, almost like a bunt, and he gets over to it and really throws it up for a prayer to throw the guy out at first base. I mean, no, basically a no-look throw and, uh, I mean, unbelievable play. Um, so just shows you the kind of player and, and the internal clock that he kind of has. But – I was I was pleased with their opening day performance, especially against a really good offensive team. Right. One of those plays where as a batter, as a hitter, you're frustrated, but you have to tip your cap because right. hey, great play there. But so you bounce back on Saturday and you get a couple of wins. Uh, you start with a eight to five win over the Cardinals at a mineral area, and this one you kind of you, you you really jumped on the Cardinals really early. Uh, you started off really strong, Dylan Wesson. Uh, you know, if you had to look at this one, have a day Dylan Wesson in this game because right. he, he had a big one. He started the scoring off, crushed a solo home run, uh, I think, to center field in the bottom of the first for one to nothing yeah. lead. I think it was an 0-1 pitch. He fouled one off and then just absolutely tanked one. So, yeah. uh, you know, you got to feel good when any time, you know, you talk about it, solo home runs aren't always going to beat a team. But when you get one, you love to see it happen oh, for absolutely. you. Yeah. So then you go, uh, you get a big three-run inning in the second. Lucas Harrington starts this one off with a single. Braden Evans is hit by a pitch. Braden Bankston single. So you got bases loaded, no outs. You're going, all right, this is about to be a real real big inning. And then you get a line-out double play. Right. Um, so then you're going, man, That the, you, you don't want to say you feel defeated, but, man, it, it's really it's, hard to get the energy yeah. back 
kind of takes the wind when, out when of it's sucked bit. away. But then uh, you get two guys, two new guys, freshmen. Uh, one of them we already have talked about here, but the Tucker Jones and Dylan Wesson come up with huge back-to-back RBI hits. Tucker Jones gets a two-RBI double. Wesson with an RBI single. You're up right. four to nothing after two innings. You've got to right. be feeling really good about this one. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, especially like we talked about before, you know, especially with the, the wind being knocked out of you with the double play that – that could have been avoided had we done, you know, what we were supposed to do as a base runner. But once again, you live and you learn. That's baseball. Um, but yeah, the fact that once again that was two outs, bases loaded, and then we come up with three two out RBIs. You know, with Tucker and Dylan right there, it was uh, it was big time for sure. And then in the third inning, you get uh, Christian Cameron. CC draws a one-out walk. He's still second and then scores on an RBI single by Lucas Harrington, who made his freshman right. debut as well, too. And then he later scored on a sacrifice fly by Bankston. Again, we've said Braden Bankston's name a lot. Talking to you before the show, I think a lot of people are going to be happy to see him when they get to see him play, see, right. see the style of baseball he plays. Uh, six to nothing, Wolves after the third. And then came the fourth inning. Right. The fourth inning, things get a little hairy. You yeah. uh, Cardinals score five runs. Only two of those were earned, and it was six to five. So a couple of, I think, a couple of errors in that one yeah. led led to all of those runs. But it, you you still got a lead. It's a one run lead. Nowhere near as you know you're not near as comfortable as you were before that inning. But uh, talk about the mindset going into those final few innings, knowing you know your your margin for error has cut been cut down severely. Right. Yeah, I mean, you hate to, you know, people play for the big inning all the time, you know, uh, is what people play for, and a five-run inning is obviously a big inning and one that you want to avoid as a defense. Um, But, you know, it happened, and, uh, you know, I know Kobe Gallat came in in that inning, and another guy that's been super consistent and, once again, came in a tight spot and, um, you know, maybe opening day jitters type Mm -hmm. of thing, or his first appearance of the spring – um, so, you know, he got off to a shaky start. I think we had a couple pass balls and or wild pitches, however you want to mm-hmm. score that. Um, so that was a couple of those runs. Bankston did make an error in that inning. Um, that was a hard hit ball. You know, uh, definitely we want him to make that play. It's a good defense makes that play more than not, but uh, wasn't completely routine. And just a couple, couple unfortunate things in that inning to, to, to put up that five spot. But once again, we got out with the lead. And we were able to stay resilient and just and add to the lead we already had and um, not really not let that inning define the rest of the game. That was obviously something we were proud of. Right. So talk about adding to it. You add to it in the top of the sixth. Brentley Berry, <clears throat> Tucker Jones, Tucker Jones draw back-to-back walks, and then they later score in the inning. It's eight to five after that. And then really, it felt like Kobe Gallant kind of became, you know, turned into Kobe Gallant. We've seen him be a lot last year during a freshman. He retired six straight in a row to really seal that one for you. So, in this one, you look at it, Dylan Wesson, J.D. Weed, Lucas Harrington, all new guys here to the Colin family, uh, Colin baseball, all had two two hits each. So, anytime you have guys who are new to your program and they're, uh, you know, they're they're given those kind of days, you feel good about it. Well, again, we talked about Dylan Wesson have a day. Two hits, three RBIs. Tucker Jones had two RBIs. Harrington and Bankston with an RBI each. So, really, right. it felt like a, a total team effort in this one yeah. um, because you, we highlight them, but you had several guys who also had one hit each as well, too. Sure. You were able to just kind of spray some hits out. And you look at the pitching there. Jordan McKenzie gets his first start, really his first start in two years. You know, yeah. we, we talk about the fact that he was injured all last year, had to miss out the year. So, you know, this this being his first weekend back baseball, because I don't think he got to play a ton during the fall. He had no. a little injury thing there as well, yeah. too. But he started and gets the win on three and two-thirds innings pitch. He had four runs. Two of those were allowed, two hits, two walks, two strikeouts. And, of course, we talked about Kobe Gallat. You turn to him. He gets a save in this one, three and a third innings of relief. One earned, earned run, one walk, one hit. Big one, four strikeouts. So, you know, you turn to two of your sophomores in this one, they really get the job done for you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was great to see J-Mac back out there, you know, um, which he got to play, obviously, played third base the day before, so his jitters were maybe gone a little bit, but first time back on the mound, especially after, um, you know, the UCL tear and, and that kind of thing. So it was just great to see him out there, and I thought he – once again, I mean, every everybody gave us a chance to win this weekend. There were no performances where it's, you know, just like, hey, man, we, we don't have a shot with uh, how you performed. And that's the thing about pitching. It sets the tone. You know, it is a – 
baseball is a obviously a team sport can also be very individualized as well based on individual performance and the pitcher does set that a lot so um yeah I mean great to see J-Mac back out there great to see a lot kind of get back in his rhythm a little bit and do what he has done since he's been here for us so um yeah I mean really happy with those guys and then you you turn around and you have to play a second game after that one. You know, I, I think that kind of helps you. You're able to kind of keep the momentum going. And you play Pensacola State again. You play the Pirates again after dropping the, the game Friday to them six three. You turn around and you win this one six two. You come from behind in this one to beat them six two as well too because Pirates scored two runs in the bottom of the third and they they really broke a scoreless tie. You know, and I think I looked at it maybe seven combined base runners between the two teams right. in through that inning and really just a couple of wild pitches is what allowed those yep. those runs to the score. So you're down two to nothing after the third, but the fourth is where the guys really start the comeback. Hagen Combe gets you a leadoff single. He later scored on a fielder's choice. And it's two to one Pirates at that point. And then the fifth inning. The fifth inning is the big inning. You score right. three runs right there. We'll run through it real quick. A leadoff single from Tucker Jones, a hit by pitch from Dylan Wesson, and then back to back ground out score Tucker to tie the game at two to two. So you kind of got a feeling good. You, you know, you've got a runner in scoring position with one out, and you've already tied the game, and you've got a chance to, to go ahead. Talk about the feeling going into that inning, knowing this has the potential it'll be a big one for you yeah um obviously that ended up being a, a solid inning for us um and just you know once again being able to scratch back especially after um going down a little bit and against you know a team once again a, a solid team um I'm not sure who was up um with that bases loaded and one out um I know yeah, Bankston Sam, Sam Cook so, so you, Sam Cook, exact Sam Cook had a two-out hit. Right, Hagen reaches on an air, Easterling hit by pitch to load the bases, and then you get back-to-back singles from yes. Sam Cook and uh, Mama. There goes that man again, Braden Bankston. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah. then you're up. That scores Weston and Coleman. You're up four right. to two. So two again, two big-time hits. Two new names to the Colin baseball program right. coming up in a big-time situation for you. Yeah, Sam Cook. Um, yeah, I mean, debut here, freshman catcher, and uh, was. Had three three plate appearances, walked once, and had two singles. And um, you know, if you were there, able to see those singles, they were not uh, they're hits all day in, in the in the in the book, but they were not hit extremely hard. But at the end of the day, they got the job done, and, and he handled and did what he was supposed to do. And and I, those were both two out hits, I believe, two out RBIs. Mm-hmm. Um, so once again, that's those were huge for sure. Um, Happy to see those guys come through. And then, then things get get a little hairy there in the bottom of the fifth. The Pirates load the bases on a hit-by-pitch single and an error. Uh, and, you know, at this point, you, you, your starter, Andy Bolin, is off the mound. You've got Lucas Harrington making his debut as a pitcher. Even though he had played in the game before, right. still quite different from playing the field to being on the mound. Then you turn to a, a guy, one of your sophomore pitchers, who, you know, he was a guy last year as a freshman. You turned to him a lot, and he really delivered, and that was Jaden Duncan in this right. one. Uh, he didn't just close the door. He slammed the door. He yeah. nailed it shut and said, no, nah, you're done. Absolutely. He, he comes in, bases loaded, no outs, gets you a strikeout and a double play, and keeps the 4-2 lead and and absolutely did the job that you ask a sophomore pitcher to come in and do in that situation. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was – you know, as a coach, you're over there on pins and needles and bases loaded, nobody out, and you're thinking, you know, hey, this could be the the inning that kind of does it or whatever the case may be, and, and Dunk just comes in and competes his tail off and gets the punch out. And then, you know, and you also got to credit Bankston and, and BB, uh, Brentley Berry right there, turning the double play. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Obviously, Dunk gets the ground ball, but we have to finish the play and, and turn it and, and handle our end, and both of those guys did that, and I think our dugout erupted at that point, uh, which is what you love to see. And right. you know, I think that was almost the, uh, you know, we talk about in game one against Mineral Area, the wind kind of gets taken out of us a little bit, hitting into the double play, but still able to get some runs. I think that was the point there for Pensacola that kind of took the wind out of their sails a little bit with, uh, you know, bases loaded, no outs, punch out, double play, and. Um, Kind of felt like our game at that point. Right. And then you add two more in the top of the sixth. Uh, you take advantage of a couple of errors. J.D. Weed, Jordan McKenzie score, 6-2 Wolves. And uh, Jaden Duncan just continued to carry that momentum through those last couple innings. Only gave up three combined base runners. No hit. None of those were hits, though. One reached on an error. Two walks. Just a solid outing from Duncan. You look at the the box score again. Sam Cook, he was your only player with a multi-hit game. Went two for two. Like you said, three plate appearances. Reached base on all three. Heck of a debut for a a freshman catcher. You also had uh, BB, J-Mac, Sam Cook. 
uh, Braden Banks and all had one RBI each. And I think one thing that really stuck out to me with this one is I think there were five hits as a team, but yeah, one thing was. that really stuck out was the team drew six walks. Yep. And anytime you get that many walks, some of them are bound to come across. Right. Uh, and and you, those are going to lead to runs, and that's kind of what helped lead to this win, I think. You look at the mound, again, Andy Bowling got the start, gets a no decision. Three uh, three innings pitch. He allowed two earned runs on three hits. Lucas Harrington comes in. He throws an inning of scoreless relief with three hits and a strikeout. Jaden Duncan gets the win because yep. he comes in, throws three innings of scoreless and hitless relief, and only had two walks and two strikeouts. So anytime you know you when you've got a weapon like Duncan in the the bullpen who can go and get you a win when you know you don't want to say your starter didn't have his best stuff, but right. You know, it's early in the year, and you know he's got a lot that he can build on and stuff and those kind of things. But anytime uh, you, you're able to do that, you've got to feel good going forward for, for your, uh, you know, your pitching staff. Absolutely, yeah. Dunk, Dunk did exactly what we we thought he could did. You know, thought we he could do. Um, you know, one thing I told Coach Stewart at the end of the game was like, man, Dunk made us look like geniuses. <laughs> you know, and and it doesn't always work out that way. You know, obviously we felt like he was the guy to go to and. And I'll say one thing that it probably helped him. You know, this fall we kind of stuck him in some of those situations. So I think he was extremely prepared for it, used to it. I think he loves that, you know, that environment. Hey, man, put me in when it's the, the you know, it's it's kind of the, the tough time. And, um, and he thrives in that. So he made us look extremely smart, even though a lot of times – we are not. <laughs> so, Will, you, you finished the weekend 2-1. and one. Great start to the weekend. Now you, you go into this week and you've got another set of games coming up. You've got a doubleheader on the road against Delgado coming up on Tuesday, February 6th. What do we know about the uh, the Dolphins? I know they're ranked 25th in uh, D1 in NJCA ball, but what do you know about the <clears throat> Dolphins going into that one? Um, you know, obviously a tradition-rich program. Um coming off of a World Series appearance last year. Uh, had a really good year, played them three times last year, and were not able to, to defeat them once. Um, and had a really, really good offense on that team and obviously super talented. But I do know um, they're pretty – I don't know that they returned a single hitter. Um, mm -hmm. So they're – we did play them in the fall, and I think we tied with them in that game. It was a, a seven-inning, um, obviously, exhibition-type thing. But um, – so I think they're going to be new, a lot of new faces for them, which they always have talent, going to be well coached. Um, so once again, like I've told our guys, I mean, there are no there are no easy opponents, you know, at this point. So um, just looking forward to playing a, a really good game or good couple games with them and uh, see what, see how it happens. And then you'll go, we'll go to the end of the week. Finally, after all these road games, you finally get to come home and, right. and play one here at the friendly confines of, of – of Wesson, and you get to uh, have your home opener. You'll play the Coyotes of Coastal Alabama South. Originally, it was supposed to be a doubleheader. Had to knock it back to one game. I believe it'll be one nine-inning nine game um, at two. But what do you know about the Coyotes coming into this one? Um, not a not a ton. I know they've got a new uh, new head coach that I think obviously is like any new head coach. You know, um, like me, excited to be <laughs> where he is and wanting to get things headed. Um, in the right direction, but also another program that has been to a, a junior college world series several years ago. Um, so they, once again, another solid opponent, they've played a couple teams. I think they've played Pearl river and Gulf coast already and lost games to them. Um, but I think both games are fairly close. So they will be, I think they will be solid. I think they will be scrappy and, um, you know, uh, be a, be a solid opponent. All right, Coach, again, thanks for joining us. Looking forward to talking to you for the rest of the year. So lots of exciting action happening for Colin Baseball. An excellent debut for the Wolves going 2-1 and one over the weekend against a couple of quality uh, opponents over at Pensacola State. Again, dropping the first one to Pensacola State 6-3, to three, picking up a couple of wins on Saturday, beating Mineral Area, and then turning around and beating Pensacola State again. Again, as a reminder, the Wolves will be on the road on Tuesday to face against the number 25-ranked Delgado Dolphins, and then they'll come home on Friday and face against the Coyotes of Coastal Alabama South. Stick with us through the break. Coming up, we'll have our basketball coaches join us. We'll talk about their last game against the East Mississippi Lions and the Holmes Bulldogs, and then we'll preview their upcoming games for Thursday and Monday.
Welcome back in. Thanks for sticking with us through the break. We'll turn to basketball now, and joining me is our head women's basketball coach, Dr. Britta Stevens. Coach, thanks for joining me. Thank you. And Coach, uh, the last couple, uh, you uh, had one of them go your way, one of them not go your way. You went one and one over the last week. We'll start with the game against the Lady Lions back this past Thursday. You hosted East Miss. Uh, you were able to win that one, 65-58, got your first uh, win in conference for the season and in your career as a head coach. Just talk about how the team played in this one. Yeah, we were really glad to get that win under our belt. You know, it was a conference win, and we were 0-3 in conference, and we knew that one was really important. It's really important in this league to win the home games. The league is tough, and everybody's good, so you've got to win the home games, and then you got to go sneak a few on the road. So we knew how important that one was, especially after we gave away a game against Northwest at home, a game that I felt like we should have won, um, didn't play extremely well. Thought we played really well against East Mississippi. Thought we played a really complete game, and I thought everybody on our bench played well. If you looked at the, the stat line, we had – four players in double figures, and then we had two or three that were very, very close to double figures. And I think that's what this team needs to be successful. You know, we need a lot of people scoring and a lot of people contributing, and I thought that was really, really good. You know, we had some kids, especially in that game, uh, some of our starters who play a lot of minutes and score didn't have as great of a game, and some of our bench players were able to come off the bench and give us very valuable minutes and, in fact, score more than some of our starters. So I thought that was a really nice, really nice growth, really nice to see, and really good for this team. Yeah. And I think if you go and you, you look at the play-by-play -play and look at every, how everything broke down, if you look at the first quarter, it's really a, a microcosm of how the game went throughout the whole thing. You look up and uh, you're down 7-2 to two after the first three – or 9-2 to two after the first three minutes of play, and you're going, oh, this might be a long night for us. And then the girls, they kind of start battling. They, they do battle back. They keep fighting. They keep in it. They keep scoring. They keep finding ways to find stops. And then you go, and, and with three minutes left, you're up 16-13. to 13. So you have a – 12-point swing within a quarter, almost a little bit of unheard of at this level to, to just be able to swing that much. Just, you know, talk about the, the play there and how you were able to really, like, the, it, it felt like the girls were like, once it got rolling for them, they, they were able to keep it going. Yeah, and, you know, basketball is a game of runs. Every, every team makes a run and stuff. And I think I looked up at one point and we were down 8 or 10. And we had not played poorly, but we had not made shots and we had given them fast break opportunities. And Coach and I had to call a timeout and say, okay, take a breath. It's going to be all right. The ball's going to fall. Things are going to, you know, shots are going to fall. And then we make this huge swing. And I think the huge swing was contributed to our defense. Mm -hmm. I think we got up and really pressured. We got some steals. We got some layups. And that allowed us to get going. Slow starts recently, especially in the Holmes game that we played on Monday night. You know, we had a really slow start in that one. We had a slow start in this one. So slow starts have kind of been kind of been a little bit of us and not finishing games have kind of been a little bit of us. But we were able to, despite the slow start, we were able to get, to get the ball rolling and get see some shots go through. You know, we didn't shoot the three. I don't know how many three-point attempts we took in that game. Not many. We don't shoot the three great. That's no secret. Everybody that's seen us play and every time we talk – so we, we've done a good job of getting the ball inside and not having to make those threes. You know, and we can make one now and then when we need to, but that's just not who we are, so we have to rely on our defense to help us get easy fast-break opportunities. And then, you, again, you look at this one. You're up 16-13 to 13 with three minutes left in the first. Lady Lions make a big swing. They take a 21-18 to 18 lead at the end of the first. So <clears throat> you're down after that. But then the second quarter really belonged to your team. You outscore them 14-8, to 8 and you take a – 32-29 to 29 lead in at halftime. So at halftime, you're feeling really good. And then the third quarter, it's kind of the reverse. It's an 18-14 to 14 swing for them. They're leading after the third quarter. And then the fourth quarter, you know, we've talked about struggling in the fourth quarter. This is one of those that you circle and go, yeah, we need more like this. Right, you outscore right. them 19-11 to 11 to get the win. And it, it just really felt like in that fourth quarter you were able to just – you know, you, you, the girls just found another gear and were able to really pull away there at the end. Yeah, at halftime we went in and we talked about, hey, we've had a good, we had a really good first half. I thought we played a really good first half of basketball. Defensively, I thought we may have had one of our best defensive first halves, especially just playing a lot of half-court man because we did not change very much. We didn't play a lot mm -hmm. of zone. We didn't play a lot of tricks. Uh, I thought we had a really good first half defensively. So we talked at halftime about how important those first three minutes in the third quarter war were, and then we came out and we didn't have a great three minutes. You know, they score, we score, and then I think they score like six points, bang, 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 and take the lead. We have to call a timeout, and then we come out. And, and the third quarter is kind of up and down. You know, we, it's close. And then in the fourth quarter, it was just like we exploded for points. Again, sparked by our defense. You know, I can remember Sequoia Bolden getting two or three steals that led us to layups. Um, the disappointing thing about the fourth quarter is, with about a minute left in the game, we had a 10-point lead. Mm -hmm. And 
they do what teams do, what you're supposed to do in basketball. When you're down 10 with a minute, they start pressing us, and we do not finish well. You know, we did not handle that well. We turned it over. We kicked it off our foot. We walked with it. Just things that college basketball players shouldn't be doing. And we haven't been put in those situations a whole lot, and it's very hard for me to simulate those situations in practice. And Coach and I try to, but we haven't been able to really, you know, it's hard to do that. So that game was a good growth and learning opportunity for us moving forward. So you, you look at the box score and you just take a look at, at the players – and, and scoring numbers, those kind of things. Jamia Smith led the team, came off the bench, had one of your three that were in double figures. She had 11. Uh, Angel Wilkinson Cookie had 10. And Sierra had 10 as well, too. And those three have kind of been three that you've really been leaning on here quite uh, lately, and they've really, they've really paid off for you. Yeah, one thing we really talked about going into this game is we had a size advantage. We typically don't have a size advantage. We're not a very big team. Uh, East Mississippi only has eight players because they've had a lot of injuries and stuff. And so one thing Coach Holt and I really wanted to focus on early in the game was let's go inside, let's pound it inside, let's pound it inside. And so I think that's why Jamia Smith and Sierra Myers were able to be successful, especially early because we ran a lot of stuff where we pounded inside. And then them scoring on the inside opened things up for guards like Cookie Wilkinson, like Ashanti Fleming, like Kayla Howard. They were able to put it on the floor and get some driving lanes because they were so worried about those bigs. Um, so I thought we did a really good job of executing. I thought we did a really good job of sticking to our keys and getting it inside. Jamia Smith and Sierra Myers, those kids, they're consistent. We know they're going to rebound. Uh, Lashanti Payne, same thing, very consistent players for us. We know what we're going to get out of them every night. I would love to see all three of them get the ball more. I would love to see all three of them score more because they can score. And when they're inside, they're very skilled. They're very skilled post players. They have good moves. They know how to score. When they get fouled, I trust them to make free throws. So I, I like the fact that we've been playing inside out. And that was one of the things we really tried to do in the Holmes game as well was play inside out because we felt, once again, like we had a, a size advantage. Didn't play quite as well, especially early doing that. But later in the Holmes game, it really came through for us. And Well, Kayla with nine, Punk and Ashanti Fleming with seven. So, again, they, they flirted with near double digits as well, too, in that one. But we'll move forward to the Holmes game. Played over there last night. This one is the one that didn't go your way. And you almost want to say, despite the bad start, you, you kind of feel like you almost let this one slip away from you because you had opportunities yeah, despite uh, a not great start. But how do you feel about how the team played overall? Uh, overall, I don't know if I can be more pleased with how we played. The, the fight, the relentlessness, the toughness, just super pleased. And that's when I went in the locker room after the game. Coach Holt and I went in the locker room. I said, I don't know if I've ever been more proud because we didn't give up. We dug a massive hole to start the game. It was 15 to one at one point. Um, they made three or four threes. We took a couple quick bad shots. We did not rebound and then we didn't get back in transition D, which left some of their shooters because they have a couple of really good shooters open. They hit quick transition threes and we look up and three minutes into the game, we're down 15 to one. And I'm. it was a morbid start. And I'm sitting there going, are we gonna score? Are we gonna score? And I didn't, I tried to be calm, but I was on the inside, I was panicking. I know Coach Holt was panicking too because we didn't know what was gonna happen. And we were able to chip away, chip away at it. And it took little by little. I think at halftime it was an 11-point game. And an 11-point game, okay, we got a shot. You know, the kids see, hey, that's not so much. We can do that. Um, at one point in the third, we cut it to five. Mm -hmm. And I was like, all right, we've got it to five. We give up three offensive rebounds in a row, and the kid gets an and one, and it goes to eight. And then at that point, it was kind of like, okay, this is going to be tough because we had spent so much energy and we'd worked so hard to come back. I didn't know if we would be able to do it again. And we did. the game ended up being an eight or ten point game, so we were able to close the gap and we kept fighting and stuff, but we just had to – we dug such a big hole early that it was hard to come back. Right, yeah. I think if you if you looked at the start of the game, it it's it's a kind of tale of two polar opposites. They The Lady Bulldogs were red hot with their shooting, and unfortunately for the Lady Wolves, we were ice cold. Ice cold. <laughs> and, you know, that was the one thing that stood out. I was like, man, we're getting some good looks. They're just not falling. And it just it just kind of felt like once you got that first point, the girls were like, all right, we're on the board. Now let's let's start right. chipping away at this thing. It was 25 to 10 after the first. Like you said, I believe it was 41 to 30 at halftime. Um, and then in the third quarter, like you said, you, you really gave yourself basically a fighter's chance. And, mm -hmm. and then they pulled away late, ended up being a 73 to 60 game. But you look at that, and I don't think that 13-point margin is indicative of uh, how it's not indicative of how close this game was and how much you really did. You, the ladies really did stand a good chance at, take, at stealing this one despite such a bad start. Yeah, despite the bad start. And, and look, that's going to happen. And, 
you have bad starts, you have bad finishes. That's all part of basketball, like games and runs. But despite the score, despite how concerned I was early in the game that they were fixing to, to blow us out, just the fact that we never gave up. You know, we had some kids last night who don't play a lot, who got a chance to play and came in and stepped up and gave us huge minutes and did some great things. And so that's encouraging for our team moving forward. Um, you know, our, our bench, everybody, our energy was good. Everybody was excited. Everybody was for everybody. You know, and, and sometimes it's hard. It's hard mm -hmm. being a college athlete. And everybody wants to score and everybody wants to play. So sometimes for those kids that don't get to play, it, I know it gets frustrating. And, and so last night was a good night where everybody got a chance to contribute and be successful. Um, and even though we weren't able to win, I do feel like we grew as a team and got better. Yeah. I feel like our chemistry got better. Um, and I feel like that's something we probably needed. And yeah. I, I, I know one thing sitting at home watching, not going with y'all yesterday, um, watching at home, it, you watching the girls and their energy, like you really could not tell that we were down 14 right, at right. one point and it could have been a lot worse. Felt like it could have stretched out to 20 at some point, but it, the, the girls never really, like, it, it almost didn't seem to phase them. Like, they were like, yeah, we were down big, but we, right. we believe in ourselves and we believe right. we can make a comeback and possibly win this one. So that's that's a good thing. As a coach, I know it's good mm -hmm. to see, like, the fight never the fight was never out of your team. You know, even when they were pulling away late, it's the girls were still fighting and yeah, competing. Yeah, that's incredibly encouraging. And, and I'll say this, I don't typically comment on the officials but I thought the officials were horrendous last night. I thought, and not even, they missed double dribbles. Mm -hmm. I don't mind you missing foul calls, but Holmes' kid double dribbled or she stepped out of bounds and they don't even call it. I'm like, hey guys, y'all got to dial in and, and see that. And yes, was I frustrated and was it a night when I was looking looking for somebody to kind of <laughs> help us get us going? Yes, but I, I thought they were just really bad last night. Sequoia Bolden one time goes to the basket and she got a technical and she deserved it. I, and I told the official that from the jump. I said, hey man, she deserved the technical, but she's not wrong. We're getting hammered under the basket and you haven't called a single thing. And every time we touched Holmes, they called him. And does that make a difference in the game? Maybe. We were only, I think we only shot 11 free throws. Is that how many free throws we shot for the Nine. game last night? Nine. Nine. Yeah, and we <laughs> shot free throws incredibly poorly. So that's something that could have helped us. You know, had we made all of our free throws, the game would have been closer. But nine free throws in a college basketball game for a team that does not shoot the three, that drives it downhill, there's some kind of disparity there that wasn't right. And I don't know how many free throws home shot. I didn't feel like we fouled a lot. I felt like we did a pretty good job of guarding them. But I was disappointed in that. Um, and like I said, I'm not one who generally ever says anything to the Fishers. Usually I just let them play. But last night – one of them and I had had a moment. <laughs> I had a good restraint, though. <laughs> and so we'll take a look at the box score, and uh, you look at this one, and the one that really sticks out to you is Ashanti Fleming. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we've been waiting for her to have another right, big game right. since that 31-point game back at the start of the year. And uh, this one, she really rewarded rewarded the team and, and was probably your star performer. She had 18. Um, you know, the only, only player in double digits. You had other ones that had eight. That was Sierra Myers. Um, you had Kirsten Haynes, who had seven, and you had three players at six, and Q, Sequoia Bolden, Jamia Smith, and LaShanti Payne. Um, so, you know, you, you kind of got scoring from everybody, but re it really felt like Punkin led the way for you. Yeah, Punkin had a really good night last night, and we need her to have a good night every night for us. And, you know, I've talked about that more than once. Sometimes she's a kid who's very humble. It doesn't bother her whether she ever gets to shoot the ball. She wants to win, and... and but sometimes because of that, I don't feel like she shoots it enough. I want her to shoot more shots. She was eight for 18. Well, 18, that seems like a lot of shots, but they were good shots. They were in rhythm. They were in the flow of the offense. And eight for 18, that's almost 50%. That's a really good shooting percentage in basketball. So we need her to have the ball in her hand. I felt like last night, as opposed to some other nights, she wanted the ball more. She went and got it and said, hey, give me the ball. Um, I think of those 18 shots, she shot seven threes. That's a number that I'd like to see go down. And she and I talked about that after the game, especially when we're running some of the ball screen stuff. Don't go behind it and shoot the three. I don't want you to do that once in a while, but I want you to get downhill and let's shoot the pull-up or let's get the foul call uh, because that's her strength. That's where she's better at. And so so we need her to keep have, putting up numbers like that. I didn't think Sierra Myers and Jamia Smith had bad nights, but I didn't think they shot it as well, especially like they did against East Mississippi. I think early if some of their shots had fallen – then this game is completely different. And early we did try to go inside to them, and they got good looks, like you said, but we just couldn't get them to fall. Not only could we not get them to fall, but the other four that were in there with them did not do a good job of going to offensive rebound. And on the flip of that, not only did we not offensive rebound, but we didn't get back in transition D, and that's why we dug such a big hole early. And I think one player that really stands out, 
despite the fact that she only had two points, it's uh, Keisha McKristen. Like, uh, Key, somebody we talk about, you know, she doesn't get a lot of minutes sometimes. This time, today, or last night, she got you 17 minutes off the bench. Right. And, and you know, every time I was watching, I was like, man, she's just really, she's handling the moment really well. She's handling the ball really well for you. She was able to find people to get shots off and those kind of things as well, too. So I think she had a really good night and, and probably really helped boost her confidence going forward. Yeah, I thought she had a really good night last night. In fact, I thought she played better last night than she's played in any of the other games that she's been in and she's a kid who doesn't always get a lot of opportunity unfortunately and that's sometimes that's just how it goes when you're a freshman sometimes you got to wait your turn but last night was her turn and that's what I told him when we got ready to leave I said look I said this is going to take everybody and when she got her chance she went in and capitalized on it and she had two points I don't care about points she did her job she helped us handle the ball she guarded she helped us do the things we needed to do and I felt like she did a better job of that in this game than she has in some of the previous games because I felt like in some of the previous games she may have been worried about scoring or whatever last night she wasn't worried about scoring she was worried about what do I need to do to help us win and help us be successful so I was really happy for her somebody else um, Sequoia Bolden who we talk about a good bit I don't know, Did she? if she even scored. I think she scored a couple baskets. She had a good night last night, but we asked her to go in and guard their best shooter who made six threes last night, which is almost unheard of, six for ten from the three-point line. In the first half, she had made five. She made one three in the second half because we, we made some defensive adjustments and we put Q on her and she held her to one three because she is she's really good at assuming her role and doing what we ask her to do. I can go ask her to guard the 6'2 kid. She's 5'7", and she's going to say, okay, coach, I got you. You know, right. And she just gives me everything she's got. All right. I think when you when you look at it, uh, Sequoia, Q, she's really one of kind of the unsung heroes. You know, we, we talk about it. You know, She doesn't score a lot. She probably averages about six, six to eight points a game, if that. But uh, she might be your best defender. You know, uh, Again, like you said, you, you ask her, hey, Go guard that six foot post, okay, coach. Hey, go guard that five two guard, okay, coach. I, you know she's yes. she's gonna do whatever whatever, whatever you ask her to, to do. She's gonna do it, and whatever you know. Again, what you, like you just said, whatever it takes for the team to win, that's she's right. all in, um, and that that's got to be great to see as a coach. It is. So we'll look ahead to the schedule going forward. You've got. Uh, your next game will be at home. You get to host the Lady Bobcats of Jones, a team that. Uh, you know, in years past, you look at this one and go, this is going to be a really tough game. And uh, this year, not saying it's not going to be tough, but you do get them at home. And uh, Lady Bobcats, not the Lady Bobcats team that a lot of people are used to seeing right. with Coach Bilderback moving on to uh, University of Louisiana at Monroe. But uh, what do you know about the Lady Bobcats coming into this one? And, uh, you know, I know it'll be a tough test, but what do you know about them? Uh, do you want the truthful answer? <laughs> not very much at all. I have not. I take it one game at a time. I, I couldn't even – I did know we played Jones at home on Thursday. I have no idea who we play after that. I try to – we try to look at one game at a time and let's focus on that. Uh, so that'll be today. We'll try to get into some film and try to get a scout together. We scrimmaged them early in the year at Southwest. Um, in fact, we, we beat them early in the year at Southwest, but that was in October, November. We're a completely different team. Anybody that's watched us play, mm -hmm. and if you saw us play early and you say us play, play, play now, you're like, wow, that is a completely different team. So we're a completely different team, and I have a pretty good feeling that they're probably a completely different team. Uh, I do know they picked up a transfer kid in January who has been leading them in scoring and has made a difference, you know, in their offensive production and things like that. So uh, I did look at the – I'm a score watcher. I check the scores every night after the game. That's the first thing I do. Uh, and they played Gulf Coast, who I think is really good, to about 10 the other night. So that that raised my eyebrows, and I went, okay, they're doing something right, and I believe it was at Gulf Coast. Um, so, you know, it doesn't – I don't know much about them yet. I know it's going to be tough because I know every team in this league is good. We have good coaches. We have good players. And I know that we're going to have to go out and play well. For us, we know that defensively we have to be good because that's how we we have to contain people uh, and we have to get steals and go score on the other end. So that's how we have to be good. So I know that will be a focus for us. And then look, we'll look a little bit forward to that one despite – uh, those things. You're at Mississippi Delta on Monday. I know that one's going to be a tough one for you. You got to go on the road. Uh, you got to go to Moorhead. Any anytime you got to go on the road in this conference, it's tough. But when you've got to go that far, I think it makes it a little bit tougher. Uh, any any insight on the well, Delta yet? Or and I know we said we take it one game at a time, but you know I I think they've played some of the other opponents we played too. So maybe you've seen some of that that film. Yeah, they've played some common opponents. Um, I saw them play early in the year when we played in BRCC's tournament. They played in the game before us, um, and I watched them a little bit. I, I think she's got a good team. Uh, I think they're a very mature team, a lot of sophomores. Mm -hmm. um, they've been playing pretty well, I think. Like I said, I haven't really watched much on them, but going back to that and just knowing her roster and mature team, uh, and that, 
that maturity and understanding of the game goes a long way. And so that'll be something that we'll struggle with because we are a little bit of an immature team. You know, we've talked about that immature team not being able to finish games and stuff. And we're growing. We're getting better every game, and that's the goal. Um, just having to go on the road is always tough, having to ride. And that one will be a little further. Like last night's trip, before I looked up, we were home. You know, it was such a close trip. Delta's a little bit farther. Um, you know, in my opinion, they have a really great atmosphere, really great college basketball atmosphere. I like to go play there. I like for the baseball team to harass me and harass it. Like that to me is part of college athletics and college basketball. And so they have a really good atmosphere. And honestly, I know at some point we have to go to Pearl River. We need to prepare ourselves for that. And hopefully maybe Delta will do that because Pearl River has what I would consider one of the best atmospheres in our league. And they will give you a hard time from the, from the tip to the buzzer, whether you're up 10 or they're up 10 or whatever. And so we need to, to be put in those situations because we really haven't yet. You know, we've been in gyms where it was loud or the band was the band was playing during timeouts and we couldn't hear, but we've never really been in a situation where somebody's got a roster and they're calling your name and going, hey, number 10, you're not very good, you know. And so we need that. And that's part of college basketball. It's supposed to be that way. That's what makes it fun. But mentally that can be hard for some some players. And so this group needs to, to learn to to play through that. And that's I tell them all the time, I'm like, like Coach, did you hear so-and-so yelling in the stands? I said, I have no idea who's yelling at me. I'm worried about what's happening on the court. Like, I, my ears are turned off and I'm worried about what's happening on the court and they need to grow and learn to be those kind of players as well. Right. And, you know, coach, you, you look ahead and you've got just about a month left of the, of the regular season and you, and it still feels like all of your goals are still within your grasp. You've got several coming up that feel very winnable. You know, they could go either way, but you, you, you like your chances in all of those. You know, how do you, how do you feel going down, coming down to the end stretch here of the regular season? Yeah, I mean, I think our goals are very much within our reach. Uh, you know, our goal is to get into the region tournament. They take the top 12. I think that's very much in our reach. I don't probably don't talk about this with our team enough. There are three or four that are in the top of our league that are I think are going to separate themselves and really be in the top of our league. And then I think the other 10, 11 of us are all going to be in a pack. You know, and we're all somebody beats somebody and someone else loses. And so we've just got to, we can't control what other people do. We've got to try to win games one game at a time. Little disappointed last night was one that we felt like we should have gotten and we could have gotten to keep us right there in the middle of the pack. But by no means is our season over with. By no means does last night's game tell us, oh, we're not going to make it. It just means that we've got to find a way to win one more down the stretch. So we need to find a way to win Jones. That one's really important. The home games are so important um, because you've got your home crowd and mm -hmm. you're in your locker room and everything is easier when it's at home. You don't have to get on the bus and travel. So we need to find a way to win Thursday night. And I, I think we can do that. And then if we could sneak a couple out, sneak the Delta game out, you know, sneak a couple out on the road some way, um, but very much within our reach. And here's, do I want to be the 12 seed? No, I'd love to be the five seed. We got to qualify. If we if we're the 12 seed, let's be the 12 seed and let's go upset somebody. Yeah. That's just numbers don't mean anything. Let's just get into the tournament. That is yeah. my goal, and then we can go because we are not playing our best basketball yet. We have come so far, but we still got we got a long way to go. We still have a lot to learn. So if we can find a way to get in that tournament, then maybe we can climb our way and march our way to Mississippi College. As, as fans of athletics and sports in general know, you, can, you get in the postseason, you give yourself that fighter's chance, anything can happen. Right. Any any team can beat any other team on any given night. Coach, thanks for joining me as always. We always look forward to to talking to you after every week. The Lady Wolves go one and one in their last two, picking up a home win against the Lady Lions of East Miss and then dropping one on the road to the Lady Bulldogs of Holmes. They'll have the Lady Bobcats at home on Thursday and then they'll go on to the road, play the Lady Trojans of Mississippi Delta on Monday. Stick with us through the break. Joining me next will be head men's basketball coach David Sanders. We'll find out how the Wolves have done against the Lions and Bulldogs, and then we'll talk about their upcoming matchups against the Bobcats and the Trojans. back in. Thanks for sticking with us through the break and joining me now is our head men's basketball coach, David Sanders. Coach, thanks for joining me as always. Thanks for having me. Coach, uh, we'll start off. Uh, you, you start, you go one and one in your last two this past week. You had a strong showing at home in the game against the East Mississippi Lions, picking up an 86-75 to 75 win over them. Uh, you know, 
a strong showing, but a little bit ugly at times, especially when you're a little shorthanded like you were. Had some guys unavailable to you in this one. But uh, overall, how do you feel about the way the guys played? Yeah, definitely a tough win. Um, I thought um, Cortez Scott and Emmanuel James and Von Johnson really carried us. You know, it's three guys that are normal starters. And uh, they stepped up and played. I think Court played 40 minutes with 11 assists and 19 points. So he played lights out, man. And um, we – Excuse me. We got to find a way to get him some rest, man, because he's he's playing a bunch of minutes. So, uh, but I thought I thought those guys, and I really thought our best guys stepped up and played well. Corey Brown, um, um, Chaz Otis, and and um, and uh, Fred Gray. Those guys came off the bench, and I think they probably combined for like 11, 12 points. So that was big for us. You know, to get those guys to really give us some minutes while we were shorthanded. So you you look at this one and you look at it. The the first quarter, the first half, I should say, really kind of back and forth throughout throughout the whole thing. The Lions come out on the better end of it. They're up forty two to forty at halftime, but then you come out and uh, you just you kind of blitzed them a little bit. I don't think they were ready for y'all to have such a strong showing. I, I think they they kind of got a little bit better of you early in that second quarter, but then when your guys kind of locked in and started, you know, you really turned a lot of defense into offense, that kind of made the difference for you. And, uh, it, you know, down the stretch, you were just able to pull away from them. Yeah, I think um, I was telling the guys just yesterday, um, right now we're ranked, you know, first or second in the league in scoring. So, you know, we're doing a pretty good job putting the ball in the hole, but we're at the bottom of the league in defense. So whenever we lock down on defense and get a few stops in a row, we normally score. So, that's kind of what happened in that East Mississippi game. We got so, and I always harp on stops and scores, stop and score, putting them back to back. So you know, doing that gives us a chance to really make a run, and that's what basketball is—a is game of run. So we were able to kind of get out and get a little cushion. You know, you you looked at it and you talked about the three leading scores. Uh, your, your leading guy was Corteria Scott. Court had uh, 22 points, 11 rebounds. First game he's – or 11 assists, not rebounds, assists. Uh, had the double-double. First mm -hmm. game where he's had double-digit assists. I know that's kind of been his aim all season, and he finally got there. And, you know, I got to talk to him afterwards. He was like – he was so fired up that he had double-digit assists. And, mm -hmm. yeah, I think that's something as a coach you love to see is a guy who can score, but he also was, a, was able to help other guys score as well too. I think it's been it's just really been a blessing these last two years, the two point guards I've been able to play with. Um he's kinda just like the one I had last year, Quandre Samuel, where he's more of a pass first guy and he really wanna see the team team win and uh you know, I can honestly say there's been a lot of games he should have had eleven assists, guys didn't make the plays to kinda make those assists, you know, true assists. So, you know, for the for the, for that to be the game where that happened with, with us being shorthanded, it just shows how how really good this kid is. And you also had Avon Johnson, Emmanuel James. They both had 19 <coughs> points. Uh, Avon really kind of stepped up and answered the challenge in this one. You know, he's a guy we've seen him a lot. He'll get 13, 14, those kind of. He, he kind of hovers around that, but it really kind of looked like in a game where you needed more out of him, he was able to respond and give you more. Yeah, another unselfish guy. You know, Avon did a lot of nice sacrifices offense for us. He rebounds the ball well, and so when we needed him to step up and really make some plays offensively. He did that. He had some really tough shots. We hit him on a few post-ups and um, got him going early. And he got a few to drop, man. And he just really had a really, really big game for us. And then, of course, uh, E-Man was E-Man. Did, did what you always ask him to do. Got, scored points. Got you some rebounds. Him and another guy that I was really impressed with in this one was uh, Kaysen Saunders. He got got his first start in conference play and, and flirted with a double-double. Missed it by just one point. Had nine points and 11 rebounds. A guy who really showed, you know, when given the chance and given the opportunity, he, he seized it and took the most out of it. Yeah, I thought Kaysen was playing really well. To start the season, beginning of the season, preseason games, he was one of our best players, and he ended up uh, getting an ankle injury that kind of sidelined him, and um, he's been working his way back. But he's definitely a guy we look at as a starter caliber player, and he showed that in this game. He stepped up and made big plays for us. He, he attacked the rim. He uh, hit a couple jump shots, man, and he really rebounded that ball well. So, And we needed all of that because, like I said, we were shorthanded. So. We were proud of him. And uh, you don't want to not mention the other guys in this one as well, too. You mentioned them already, but uh, Antonio uh, Otis, Chaz had five. Uh, Corey Brown had six. Trayvon Taylor had three. And Fred Gray Jr. had three as well, too. So all the guys you played, they all contributed in some way, and that's something you like <coughs> to see. I know you love to see as a coach when you're shorthanded. You got everything out of those guys that you asked for. Yeah, when you're playing with eight, you got you know, everybody's going to have to chip in, you know. That's normally the number, you know. Uh, rotations are normally consist of eight or nine players, so we only had eight. We had to use everybody, and I thought those guys came in and played really well for us. Uh, Antonio hit a big three late in the, late in the game for us, kind of give us a little cushion. And Fred here would hit a big one in the first half, and so um, you know, and Trey is always a really good shooter for us. He, he gave us some great minutes. Um, 
and rebound the ball, try to block shots and things like that. So, uh, you know, those guys will put on a good show. Yeah. I think I, I told you earlier in the day before that when we were talking, you, you were talking about how you're going to be limited on players and everything. I said, well, if there's any coach I believe in that can pull that <laughs> off, it's going to be you. And, and sure enough, those words <laughs> held true, you know. After watching everything that we did last year, and you would say last year you did a lot of things shorthand and only had yeah. seven or eight players. So if there's anybody, again, that can manage being shorthanded, it's certainly <laughs> Coach Sanders here at Colin. But – then you fast forward to this past Monday. You go up to Goodman, and this one uh, doesn't go your way. Bulldogs pull this one out, eighty-eight to seventy-five. Um, and it, you know, the margin <clears throat> says thirteen, but it felt a lot closer than that for a lot of the game. Uh, talk about how you feel about how the guys played in this one. Um, I thought we were real sluggish. I think um, what I've been dealing with with this team is, you know, they really get up for, you know, the, the really tough games and the games they feel like they have a chance to really get beat. And um, the first time we played home, they were so locked in. They were so ready to go, and we had our best game of the year. And I think we kind of took them for granted and couldn't get them to understand that this is not the same team, this is not the same gym. And uh, we kind of came out, and they punched us in the mouth, in the mouth early, and, and then we staggered and never really recovered. You know, kind of cut it to five at one point. But <clears throat> the biggest thing was we gave up a lot of fast break points, a lot of turnover, uh, uh, transition points and turnovers. And um, you can't do that against a team like Holmes, which really struggles, struggles to score in the half court. You know, they beat us down the floor several times for easy layups. And, uh, you know, in a, in a game where you really lose by 11, I think the kid dunked, but, you know, at the end to make it 13. But um 11-point game, and you probably give up 30 to, to 40 points and fast break points and turnover points. So, you know, it's just uh, one of those things where, you know, you got to – you go on the road. You got to you got to play flawless, flawless basketball when it comes to defense. You got to get back and keep people in front of you. And um, we just kind of been struggling with that. Really young, only got two sophomores. Both of those guys really had never played college basketball, so you really got a team full of freshmen. And we just kind of got our ups and downs right now. But hopefully, you know, um, Jones is coming up, and they'll be one of those games that I feel like they'll be ready for because it's a big game. So you know, those are not the games that I worry about. It's the it's the it's a trap game. So. And you, you look at this one, and it was 39-31 to 31 at halftime after you knew the first half. And it kind of felt like the first half was really the big difference because I know I felt like at one point it was 24-24, and then I blinked, and the next thing I knew, Holmes was up by 10. And it was it's kind of shell-shocked, like, what just happened? You know, um, that kind of felt that way, and, and, and it just felt like they really carried that momentum throughout. Even though we gave ourselves a fighter's chance and really had it I had it down to, I believe, five at one point, uh, took, took a three that had a long rebound, they were able to run down the court and score on that, and that kind of propelled them to, to seal it out. Um, but still, you know, I think I think one thing as a coach you like to see is the fact that the guys never gave up. They they fought all the way to the end, um, and even through the end. <clears throat> yeah, I think we were down twenty at one point. You know, fall back and cut it down, and um, you know that's the biggest thing for me. I don't like guys that'll lay down and quit, man. So you know, not playing well, not shooting well. I think it was six for twenty four from the three, which is way too many threes. Um, you know, I thought Holmes on the shot like thirteen threes, and they got a lot more attack, uh, chances at the basket than we did. And so, you know, free throws count about even. So it, it was an even game across the board if you take away the transition. And so, um, you know, I think, you know, it's, it's a learning experience for us. I think the guys can, can, can look at it and say, hey, you know, we got to be a little bit more diligent when we go on the road because I thought that wasn't the same team that played against right. Gulf Coast on the road. So, you know, kind of right now it's just kind of up and down. So we got to try to find our way. Right. So, and you take a look at the box score, and uh, you know, you look at the last couple of games, and you just want to kind of pat Corteria Scott on the back and say, "Good job, good job, kid." You know, he he set a career high in points against East Mississippi in twenty two, and then he broke that career high against uh, Holmes. Had a new high with twenty six points. I think that led all scores of not yet was one point away from leading all scores with 26. Had three rebounds, four assists, one steal. It's just an all-around really well-played game out of court. Yeah, and the crazy thing about it is they – I really I didn't realize they had that many points because they did – most of the game they tried to face guard him and deny him the ball, which people are kind of starting to figure out now that he's he's our catalyst. So they're trying to get it out of his hands. And um, I think some other guys got to step up and, and, and make some plays around him. But coach is so – it's so efficient and he's so quiet with it that you never really know he scored that many points. So – you know, he's not a guy that forces up shots. So he, he's one of those guys that I think is going gonna to be a first-team all-league guy. You also look at it. You had four guys in uh, double-digit scoring outside of uh, including Cortez. You had Devin Carter had 17. 
two rebounds, four assists, two steals, a, a pretty well-rounded game for, for Devin. I think you and I talked a, a little heavy on the three-point attempts there. You'd like to see him probably take a few, a few less than that because you look at the line and you go – Four of 11 from the field, but he was 9 of 10 from the free throw line. So, you know, when you're shooting 90% from the line, you got to get there as many times as you can. Yeah, we talked about that in film, you know, showing Devin where when he puts his head down and goes aggressively to the basket, he's a really good finisher and he gets fouled. So him getting fouled is automatic too because he's shooting around 90 for the year. So we talked about that and just attacking the basket a little bit more. We As a team, we got to cut our three-point attempts down because teams really want – we do that. We try to do that to other teams. We want to make you shoot more threes than you want to because it's just a – lower percentage shot. So, you know, it's one of those things that I think Devin's learning too. He hadn't he hadn't really touched the floor a whole lot in the last two years. He's kind of trying to get his feel back. And um, you just kind of understand the game a little bit better. So I th- I'm, I'm proud of, you know, him having a good, really good floor game and uh, doing some other things as well. But like I said, we're working on fixing that shot. Right. Devin in court between the two of them, 14 combined free throw attempts, and they only had one miss between the two of them. Court went 4-4. Four, four. Again, Devin going 9 of 10 from the line. So good good night from the line from from, from your guard play. But you also look at it. Uh, E-Man <coughs> did what he always did, showed up, scored points, got you rebounds, had a double-double, 14 and 12. I you know, we we talk at we talk about him ad nauseum, but you know, I, I don't think you can say enough good about him. He just comes and does everything that you ask him to do, and just shows up and does the yeoman's yeoman's work, and and only had two fouls in this one as well too. So anytime I think you get a post player who, you know, like him that likes to get up there, fight for the ball, and those kind of things, but he doesn't foul a lot. It, it's a it's a boost for your team. Yeah, I think he. Um, I'm not sure on that foul count. I thought he had more than two, but <laughs> you know, he man gets a lot of fouls and help. He's he's always there for have his teammates back. And um, he's just one of those kids, man, that just kind of you, you don't have to ask him to play hard. He you know, always goes out there and gives it 100%. So, you know, uh, we're definitely proud to have him. And uh, we think that uh, he's going. He's really having a great year, and I think it's only going to get better. Yeah, he also had Avon Johnson with 10 in this one, so um, was able to contribute. You know, you got four, four of your five starters with, with double-digit points there. So uh, good, good, good things to build on. You just got to, like you said, you just got to keep working on, on improving and getting, getting more basketball savvy, I think, mm-hmm. for the guys. And, uh, you know, I, I think everything's going to be okay, though, for the Wolves. Yeah. So, but you look ahead and you look at the next two you got coming up. You alluded to it just a few minutes ago. You got Jones coming in to Wesson on Thursday, February. 8th. Uh, Bobcats coming off their first loss of the year to the Southwest Bears. I know a team that we fought tooth and nail with, lost in overtime there a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. What do you know about the Bobcats coming into this one? Uh, well, they're really talented. they got um, Demp and Kyle Purnell, who are really good players. They can score the ball. They're shooting a great percentage. And, uh, and they're smart kids. You know, they, 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 they're having a wonderful year. Uh, they got some really good size with the, with the House Twins. And, um, you know, and they got a couple guys coming out of the bench like Malik Franklin that can really shoot the ball. And L.J. Hackman's having a really good year. So Jones is a really good team. They're a formidable team. We're getting them at home. And I think these next four are going to kind of decide our season. You've got Jones at home. we got Delta. Ed Delta was always a tough place. And we come come back, get Northeast at home, and then we got to travel to Pearl River. So, you know, this stretch right here is going to be really important for us. I feel like we, we really need to get three of those four if we want to contend for the championship. I think Pearl River's undefeated. Jones only has one loss, so we really need to beat both of those guys and hope somebody else can beat them too if we're going to compete, uh, you know, for for another championship. I don't think the league champion will have more than three losses. So I told the guys the other day, I said, we've got one more to play with. So, you know, we better choose it wise because we got nine games left. So, you know, it's just about knuckling down. We hadn't lost. We lost Southwest and, and Holmes. Both of those games we know are very winnable. And even the ones we won, we, we, we won were, were very losable. So, you know, we just got to uh, make sure that we're on the right side of that coin when it comes to doing the things we can control. Because some things you can't control, but rebounding, blocking out, and getting back on defense, those, those are effort plays. So we just got to do a better job of that. And so we'll, we'll also look at the, get the game on Monday that you talked about over at Delta against the Trojans. What do you know about them going into that one? Not a whole lot. i kind of been taking it one game at a time as far as my, my scouting and recruiting. And uh, but I know Deltas, they got to pick up a couple of really big wins, and I know they're a really tough team. They had a tough team last year, that came here and played us real well. So it's not going to be a cakewalk going down there, man. That's a, that's a tough trip and a tough place to play. So you know we're looking forward to the challenge. Coach, obviously you look at it as you mentioned, you've got nine games left. You're sitting, uh, I think, in third place. Last we looked at the standings, you're at three and two. That's um, fourth now. In fourth place now, so um, so but you're still competing for one of those top spots, and you know, it, but it kind of feels like that margin of error went from 
very small to now it's almost non-existent. You know, you, you said yourself you think the <clears throat> the the conference champion's only going to have three losses or less. You know, what what's what, what's your mindset going in these last nine? You know, it, it still feels like again. Every goal is right in front of this team, and it's just there's there for them to take. They just got to step up and take it. Yeah, I think this Jones game is a must-win. I think I really, really, I think these next two are really must-win games. Um, you know, the top three teams that are in front of us are all teams we haven't played yet. So if we can get those three wins. Really, would like to go four and on these next four. I think we'll be right where we need to be at because. You know, we're going to have to be Prairie. We're going to have a chance to win it. Somebody's got to beat them. It's gonna, you know, they're a really good team. So, you know, and then Jones has one loss. They're they not going to take too many losses. They're really, really talented. So, and Northeast is, is, is also playing well. So, we, you know, all these teams are definitely beatable. You know, like I said, Southwest is, is just knocked off a few of them. You know, so, I mean, um, I think it's a situation where we can, we can definitely win this league again. But it's got to be something that we go and grab and take. We can't expect people to just hand it to us. So. Right. So, That'll wrap up this week's edition of the Colin Coaches Show. A lot of exciting action for the Wolves, both in the past and in the future coming up in a very talented men's basketball conference. But we'll look at the week ahead here for the Wolves. You'll have the golf team on the road on Monday and Tuesday participating in the MJCCC Invitational. And then you'll have the basketball teams competing on Thursday against Jones and then Friday baseball will have their home opener against Coastal Alabama South after they played on Tuesday at Delgado and then the tennis teams will also be playing on the road at Hines on Friday. So lots of action-packed action for the Colin Wolves this week. I'm Kevin Kaiser, Sports Information Coordinator here at Colin. Thanks for tuning in this week and we'll talk to you next week.